marriages. The foundational pillars of successful marriages. The foundational pillars of successful marriages. In Psalms 11 and verse 3. Psalms chapter 11 and verse 3. The Bible says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11, if you can add that also. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11. The Bible says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we need to understand that as a believer, anything we're going to be doing must have its foundation in God. And you see, God has not left us in the dark. You know, the very first institution God created was the church. Even before... I'm sorry, it was the marriage before the church. The church, that's why when it functions right, is also meant to be a family. No matter how big a church gets, no matter how much a church grows, we must not lose sight right, of that understanding that the church of Jesus Christ is meant to be a family. Because what God created, the first institution he created, is the family. Because the family unit affects everything about our lives. It affects our existence. The family unit determines the kind of people that a society will produce. And we need to understand that the family or a marriage must be built on certain pillars. Foundational pillars, I call them. Because... The most important part of anything that is going to be built is the foundation. Even though you cannot see the foundation, if the foundation is faulty, no matter how much you try to patch up the building, it's only a matter of time before the building falls. No matter how expensive the structure you have built, you see, if the foundation, if you um, cheat on the foundation or you try to save um, cost on the foundation and you use inferior materials, it's only a matter of time. What you have built, no matter how monumental it is, is going to fall. It's going to fall. And you see, oftentimes, as a people, we ignore the foundational aspects of marriage. We focus on the glamour, the glitz, where people uh, we want people to see uh, the wedding, the tuxedo, the um, wedding dress, or how we appear to the public after the wedding. But we need to understand that, you see, if you get the foundational, you know, principles of successful marriages right, you see, even if there's a bit of shaking on the outside, the marriage is still going to stand. It's still going to stand. As long as the foundation is right. And you see, one of the foundations God has given us is in Ephesians chapter 5. Throughout the course of this month, I'm going to be referring to it. You see, it's a part of the scripture that this generation does not want to believe. But does not want to even hear Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 to verse 32. Some people take this scripture out of context. Some use it as a tool of manipulation for the other gender. Some use it as a way of telling their partner what to do in marriage. <laughs> but you need to understand that there is something for everyone in this passage of scripture. 
The Bible says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. I think we should start from verse maybe 19. Can you go to verse 19 please? Verse 19. The Bible says speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for the theme, for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord. Jesus Christ now says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. I think it should be verse 18 or verse 17 there about that was what I was looking for. He says and be filled with the Spirit. It says to be filled with the Spirit. We need to understand that. Okay, yeah, that's it. Verse 18. It says don't be drunk with wine wherein there is excess. It says but be filled with the Spirit. And we need to realize that the foundation of every successful marriage is in direct extent, or let me just put it this way, the extent to which your marriage will succeed is in direct proportion to how submitted you are to the Spirit of God. Anytime you see a home where there is crisis, anytime you see a home where there are perpetual problems, go check it. Someone or both parties are not submitted to God. That's why the Bible says, after you have been filled with the Spirit, right? It now says in verse 21, 22, it says, you need to submit to one another. You see, many people jump that verse and they just jump to the part that says, wives, submit to your own husband. So, as a woman, you should submit. You know, some men even use this in the workplace. They say women should be subservient to men, you know, in the workplace. But the Bible did not say women, submit to men. It says, why submit to your own husband? So a woman has no right to submit to you as a man if she's not your wife. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? It says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Right? Even as Christ is the head of the church. So we need to realize that the picture the scripture gave us about marriage is the picture of Christ and his relation with the church you see so as a man you can say oh i love my wife the question is if you want to really prove to us that you love that woman for those of us that are married and for those of us that are single if you claim to truly love that lady and you want to be a husband the question you need to ask yourself is are you going to love her or do you love her the way christ loved the church you can say yes. You see, the Bible is so detailed. It went on further to tell us how Christ loved the church. Can you please go further? You're stuck on this. Let me just use mine. It says, therefore, as Christ is subject, and uh, the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husband. Now says, husband, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, by giving himself for us. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he may present to himself a glorious church. Not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. Right? I want us to understand what the Bible is saying here. It means that Christ will work on the church to the point where it will have no blemish. It will have no wrinkle. Now, it didn't say it did not have a blemish or it did not have any wrinkle. It simply means as a man, you see, there is a reason why a man in marriage is called husband. Right? It simply means, the word husband means, simply means a nurturer, a groomer. That is someone who is able to bring out the best out of his wife. You need to understand that as a man, principally your responsibility is to love that woman the way Christ loves the church. 
How did Christ love the church? By giving himself for her. A woman you can't give yourself for, you don't really love. You cannot create your own standard of love. The Bible already tells us that this is the standard. This is the standard. It simply means before you think of your own comfort, you must think of our comfort. You see, many men say things like, ah, oh, my wife is not submitted. If you love her the way Christ loves the church, she will submit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And some women say, oh, my husband does not love me. He's not sacrificial. The problem is, oftentimes, people are waiting for the other party to do um, what they are supposed to do before they do what they are supposed to do. So a woman says, you know, the reason why I don't submit to him is because he doesn't love me. No. Your own responsibility is to do what God has told you to do. When you do your own part, you say, ultimately, God will reward you for playing your own part. I hear what I'm saying this morning. So you don't say, oh no, he doesn't love me. Or she doesn't submit to me, uh, so I will not love her. No, the Bible didn't say, love your wife if she submits to you. That condition is not there. And it didn't say, submit to your husband if he loves you. So when you decide, for those of us that are still single, that I want to get married, you must have this basic understanding. This basic, see, forget about what society is trying to peddle. That, you know, uh, all these, um, they say, feminist, say, feminist movement, you know, see, nobody puts women in bondage before. All these ideas, want to be free, want to be free, we don't go greedy. You see, it is not scriptural. This is not scriptural. And I'm still going to get to that this morning. You have to make up your mind whether you want to do things the world way or the world's way. And let me tell you this, the world's way will never get scriptural results. It will never you can't do things the world's way and expect to get the world's results. If you do things the world's way, you will get the world's results. And the world's result is not perfect. It's all around us. It's, it's crisis. It's failure. Uh, it, 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 it's trouble. It's all over the place. It's not hidden. It's in our faces. So if you want the peace that comes with a Christ-centered marriage, you, can, and you, see, you cannot mix principles many try to borrow god's word and borrow the world's way they now try to mix it up no it doesn't work that way it's either you're on this side or you're on the other side the most dangerous place to be in life is to be in the middle of the road imagine you after service you stand outside and you stand in the middle of the road it's better if you cross if you don't cross or you decide to cross to the other side but to say you want to be in the middle of the road you are, you are going to be knocked down by a car and that's what happens to many believers. You see, we are so obsessed. We, we think, you see, one of the lies of the devil is to make you believe you are missing out. Huh? It's called FOMO. Fear of missing out. It makes you believe, ah, you know, if you don't do things, maybe there's something you are missing out. You are missing out. Let me tell you this. If you are doing things God's way, you are not missing nothing. There are some of you, maybe you have never been to a club, you have never done some. The devil makes you believe that, ah, maybe it's a, you missed, though you did not enjoy your life before you became a Christian. It's a lie. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you didn't do something, no, you did not enjoy your life. What is enjoyment, really? Praise the Lord. So you don't see the foundation of a building, but the fact that it's not seen does not mean it is not important. The fact that it is not seen does not mean it is not important. This generation places a lot of value, a lot of priority on the things that can be seen, the things that can be felt. 
But you see the foundation of the building. Oh, for instance, we are in this building now. Can you see the foundation? You can't. But you know it is a risk to be in a building that the foundation is not solid. And so that's how people enter into marriages that the foundation is not solid. They just say, no, no, no. We will figure it out. Marriage is not what you figure out when you get into it. You figure it out before you enter, not after you have entered. Because like many buildings, when it comes crashing down, it does not send you a pre... It does not announce you ahead of time that today by 11.35 p.m., I shall come down. No, it won't do that. It will just crash on the people in it. And that's what happens when marriages crash. There is no one that truly survives it intact. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is always a scar. There is always a pain that only the people that experience it can explain. So God is saying, I've given you a better way to do things. The most important part of our lives are the unseen parts. At the unseen part, you know the most important part of your um, a, a body of your existence now is not even that. It's not your you know your body as it were that you are putting the cloth on. It's not your face as beautiful and as handsome it may look. The most important part of your life is your heart. But we can't see it. How many of us have seen our hearts before? You've not seen it before. I can say what is it? It's not important. Job. I've not seen it. Ah. If that has decided to take a break, thirty minutes break, you are gone. You can't see your kidney. But does that make it unimportant? Now, the reason why many people scheme when it comes to the foundational principles of marriage is because really, they are not parts you can see. It's not the part you show online. It's not the part you can display and show up for people to see and they will hear you say, ah, correct guy. You can't display it. And that's why oftentimes people just think it's not that important. We can skip it. Say that marriage is the only institution where you are given a certificate before you even write any test or exam. They don't even know whether you know whether what you are doing. I say, oh, you want to get married? <laughs> say this statement, collect the certificate. Whether you believe what you are saying or not, just collect it and go and figure it out. They say 20% of first marriages, according to statistics, end up in divorce. 50% of second marriages end up in a divorce. And they say 75% of third marriages end up in a divorce. And that tells us something that oftentimes it's not about the switching of partners. The fact that you are changing partners, see, in fact, the more you change partners, the greater the likelihood that it will still not work. Because the common denominator is you. So if the person does not change, even if they keep jumping from one person to the other, it will still not work. They said that 60% of marriages will end up in divorce within one to three years. And the lifespan of the average relationship or courtship is three to five months. That most relationships under three to five months, they end up. You see? Or they end. Better still. Right? I think that's a better way to put it. They end. You see, I say, oh, these are just statistics. They use statistics, but statistics don't lie. They don't lie. And some people see deception often times people say things like no 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 and at least it's not 100 percent you see there is no certainty that you will not be part of the statistics that's why we don't teach exemptions in life there are exemptions but are you sure you are going to be the exemption you never know even the people that are the exemption to the rule they did not know they will be the exemption so we don't teach exemptions and we don't live our lives hoping that we'll be the exemption because we may not be the exemption. Seven thing 
ladies, let me talk first to the singles. Seven things to note about being single. Seven things. I want you to write this. For those of us that are married, that you have single friends, you might also want to write this down to, it will be of benefit to them. Number one, and for those of us that are married, also listen, don't switch off on me, praise God. It's not time to take a short nap. <laughs> Number one, your courtship is a prophecy of your marriage. Your courtship or your relationship is the prophecy of your marriage. What do I mean? The quality of your courtship will determine the success or failure of your marriage. There's a proverb that says, what tomorrow will look like is today we already know. Some people just assume that, no, 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 it does not really matter. When we get married, things will sort itself out. It never does. Things don't get sorted that way. If there is um, no peace in the relationship, there can never be peace in the marriage. Never. If there is no clarity in courtship, there can be no clarity in marriage. So, every courtship is a prophecy. If you want to have an idea of what your marriage will look like, look at the courtship. Look at the relationship. If that person is not adding value to you now, they can't add value to you in marriage. Because walking down the aisle and saying the magic words does not change you into somebody else. So the first thing you need to understand is this. Every courtship is the prophecy of the marriage. The courtship is a prophecy of your marriage. Number two. Being single is not a cause or a stigma. It is a blessing. It is a season and it is a blessing that must be maximized. Being single is not a cause. Neither is it a stigma. Except you see it that way. <laughs> it is better to be single than to have double trouble. I trust that he has said time and time again, it's better to wait long than to marry long. It's not that <laughs> I have people say things like, yeah, I should just marry someone, I should just marry someone. <laughs> but you not just marry someone. Somebody didn't hear what I just said. May you not just marry someone. Amen. That's why you don't oh, this one too is okay. You don't just say it is okay and jump into marriage. Don't worry, we have a whole month to talk about these things. So please understand this. No matter how much anybody tries to peddle it to you, right, tries to convince you, being single is not a cause. That's why you see people in our own environment. Once people get to a particular season, they just want to do anything to jump out of that season. Because our environment tells us, as a man, you're already earning. You have a house. What's next? Bring wife. You know, it's always amazing. Our parents, African parents, they tell the lady when she's in school, don't be close to a guy. A guy touches you like this, you get pregnant. I see pregnancy comes through laying on her hands. When she now gets out of school, so when are you bringing home husband? Where do you expect her to get it? You said she should not talk to a man. Now she's out of school. <laughs> do they bring them from the store? <laughs> Praise God. So it's not a cause. It's not a stigma. Right? It's a season that must be maximized. Number three, being single should be enjoyed and not endured. 
And it's about the attitude that you have towards that season. Being single should be enjoyed and not endured. The truth is, there are certain things you will never be able to do again when you get married. As a single, you can decide that I'm going, nobody is checking, nobody is looking for you. As a responsible woman that is married, you can't be outside 12 midnight and nobody will check up on you. If nobody is checking up on you, it simply means something is wrong with that marriage. Something must be terribly wrong. Just say, no, my husband does not really care. Ah, that's not about not being caring. You know? <laughs> Imagine my father-in-law calls me now, 11 p.m. Tries to call my wife and can't reach her. And I say, where is my daughter? I say, I don't know. <laughs> is that not trouble? As a man, as a single, you can go anywhere you like when you are single. Huh? That attitude, you can't take it into marriage. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Men in this house, I hope you don't do that. Just leave the house. Nobody knows where you are. Like, like a demonic spirit going to and fro. No, there are people like that. So the day something happens to them, you don't even know they are already in trouble. Because that's how it goes. It's 11 p.m. The wife is not concerned. Why? Because he doesn't even have a predictable time he comes home. And it's not because of his job. It's, it's just a lifestyle. So let me tell you this. When you get married, somebody will be monitoring you. And rightfully so. In fact, if they are not monitoring you, something is wrong. It's a sign of care. Someone should check up on you. So this season of the life that nobody is monitoring you. Where are you? Enjoy that season of your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I was having a conversation with us during the week. I said, I remember when I was sitting there, I could pray hours on ending. He said, ah, so now that we are married, what are you trying to say? I said, it is true. There's nothing. You see, as a married man, you can't say, I'm just praying. You ignore your wife. You will destroy your marriage in prayers. It's also true. You know, people say, ah, no, 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 I'm talking to God. Go and talk to your wife. See, the question is, where was Adam when the serpent was talking to Eve? He was absent. I know that's why a lot of men say, I'm getting close to God. That's why a lot of preachers lose their family. And look at most pastors, their children don't turn out right because they are so close to God, so far from the family. It doesn't make sense. So, you need to understand that now the prayer you want to pray, say, ah, when I get my, I'll pray seven hours per day, is a lie. That prayer, better pray it now because as you are praying, somebody will be crying. <laughs> you have to attend to that person because the person didn't tell you that he wanted to come to the world, you invited the child, and the child needs attention. Many of us just look forward to marriage. For those of us that are single, we don't know the responsibility places on you. Because society just pushes us, get married, get married, get married. They don't tell you the demands that come with it. That the money you are spending now that you are saying you are chilling with the big boys, that money will not be enough when you get married. You know, as a single, there is no, if you have no food stuff for you, a little bit low on cash. You can easily go to your friend's house. You can't do that as a married person. To do that as a... You can't even go to your parents' house as a married person. I hope you know that. Married people, are you hearing me? You are not hearing. <laughs> you must hear. <laughs> uh, you can't go to your parents' house and say, ah, we said we should come and eat lunch. <laughs> as a married woman, you have simply told your parents, without having to say it, that your husband is irresponsible. And he's not man enough to take care of his family. That's what you're saying. 
So enjoy this season. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Number four, right? It is a face. Being single is a face that should be consciously and strategically maximized. It's a face that should be consciously and strategically maximized. You want to go for a course? You want to learn a skill? This is the best time to do it. This is the best time. This is the best time. This is the best time. <laughs> it's easier to read as a single than it is to read as a married person. I hope you know. <laughs> married people are married. Right. <laughs> it's easier. It's not that you cannot, but it's just easier. Because you can decide that I even want to ah, I have test next week. You know, I need to read. I'm not eating. If you eat or you don't eat, nobody cares. But for instance, you can say as a woman, I have the test next week. I'm doing a course. The children are hungry. So you see, I want to write tests. No, they are the first tests. He said, no, 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 I want to write an exam. You know, next week is my PhD. The child does not care. Most likely the husband too will not care. <laughs> Praise God. Next. Being single gives you an opportunity for personal growth and career development like no other season in your life. It gives you an opportunity for personal growth and career development like no other season in your life. One of the things research has discovered is many parts of Africa, the reason why there's so much poverty is because people get married too early. Research. And one of the reasons they discovered that happens is because people don't develop income generating and tradable skills before getting married. You see, love conquers it all. <laughs> love will supply. Love will provide. So, the time they should spend developing skills that will even let them enjoy the marriage, they are thinking of love. As I have told us, you see, 0 to 25, for those of us that are still below 25, are... Huh? Is a time of discovery, a time of learning is tradable skill. Tradable emphasis on tradable because in this age and time, many skills are not tradable. You can't say you know how to use typewriter now, and it's a tradable skill. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your work will be at the court, Nigerian court system, wearing affidavit in front of Nigerian system of journalists. <laughs> Praise God. It is all wrong, but how much can you make without skill? So, oftentimes, the time we should spend as singles sharpening, you know, our saw, right? Developing new skills, learning about our environment. We are obsessed with, ah, I want to have a babe. I want to have a babe as a guy. It's about babe, babe, babe. Business is not working. He's thinking of babe. He's jobless. He's thinking of babe. A jobless man does not need a babe. He needs a job first. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You might not like it, but it is the truth. The first thing God gave to Adam as a man was a job, work. Before God introduced... You see, we need to understand that everything God did, He did it as a template for us to follow. See... A woman will tell you, guys, are you hearing what I'm saying? I love you the way you are. In marriage, she will not love you the way you are. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? I love you the way you are does not mean remain the way you are. I love you. You were painting vision. In marriage, vision does not pay bills. There's a place of vision, but you cannot be saying vision. You are still, you are still telling the same vision five years later, ten years. When will your vision become a reality? It has become the family nightmare. So as a single, develop yourself. Grow yourself. Such that when you eventually get married, you'll be valuable to the person you want to marry. A person will look at you and say, ah, ah, where have you been? Why didn't we meet earlier? Not that, ah, we wish we are there no longer. No, don't let that be your story. Go into marriage as a value adder, not as a minus. Am I making sense? And you see, you cannot give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. If you have not invested in yourself, if you have not developed yourself, if you are not growing, you can't add value to your partner. You can't. Number next. That's number what? Six. Who you are as a single will be spotlighted in marriage. Or better still, it will be amplified in marriage. Who you are, positive or negative, <laughs> it will not go away at the altar. If you have a bad attitude as a single, that bad attitude, more people will notice it when you get married. Because now you have more people to relate with. You have in-laws to cope with. You have <laughs> your husband's or wife's friend to, to relate with. So your attitude that nobody really knew. It was only your family members that knew when you were single. Now it will become evident unto all men. Who you are will be amplified in marriage. If you are a good person, marriage will make you better. If you are a bad person, marriage will make you worse. Because there are pressures in marriage. And it says, what is in you when pressure of life comes on you that comes out? If you squeeze an orange fruit, apple juice cannot come out of it. So when you see people have pressure and you hear them speaking words that are unbelievable, unprintable words, it's because it was inside them. It was inside them. Number seven. What you do with your single stage will determine the quality of your marriage. It will. How you spend your courtship, what you do while you are single will determine the quality of your marriage. You can't separate the quality of married people have from what they did when they were single. Two critical indicators of successful marriage and relationship. Number one is peace. Somebody say peace. Somebody say peace. Two things you must look out for in a successful a relationship that will turn out into a successful marriage. Number one is peace. Number two is progress. Number one is what? Peace. Number two is what? Progress. If you are in a relationship and there is no peace, there can be no peace in marriage. There's no there's no two way about it. Too much drama in a relationship will lead to chaos and unrest in marriage. Sometimes people just assume, you know, it will, it will, it will blow away. Things will, things will change with time. It never changes. Jesus said in John fourteen and verse twenty-seven, He said, "My peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you." He says, "Don't let your heart be troubled." 
neither let it be afraid. Because it is impossible to make progress and to enjoy marriage in an atmosphere where there is constant crisis, where there is no rest. The Bible says, it leads me beside still waters. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me. God will not lead you into a place where there is crisis. If God is leading you, he will lead you in the path of peace. I pray for any day that may be experiencing any form of storm, that the peace of God will reign in that home. In the name of Jesus. If there is any relationship that obviously will not create peace, I separate, I create a supernatural separation this morning. In the name of Jesus. Even if you don't want to leave that relationship, everyone will break it. You see, people don't know how valuable peace is until they experience it. You see, you may be achieving a measure of success and progress. But let me tell you this, you can do better in an atmosphere of peace. Where there is no peace, you can't hear God. Where there is no peace, there is no clarity. Where there is no peace, there is no creativity. Where there is no peace, there can be no productivity. Peace is very important. Number two is the progress you enjoy. The Bible says the path of a just man is as a shining light that shines more and more onto the perfect day. One of the things you see, right, in a successful marriage is that both parties, not one, both parties consistently experience progress. There is advancement in the work of their hands, in every area of their life. You can see, you see, if people get married and over time, you seem to see their life as a single was better than when they were married. Something is wrong. Is it that there is something they are not doing right or the foundation was wrong in the first place? Well, it should get better. Why? Because the Bible says that one will chase a thousand and two will chase ten thousand. He didn't say two will chase two thousand. He said two will chase ten thousand. It simply means their success should be amplified. Now, it is possible for you to marry right and yet not experience progress sometimes. When either or both parties have not submitted themselves to the Holy Spirit. Like where I started from. I mentioned that earlier. Sometimes people go into marriage with this mindset of it's all about me. See, marriage only works between selfless people. Sometimes people go into marriage with this mindset of ah, See, when they are thinking of marriage, they are thinking of what the guy will do for them. Or what the lady will do for them. That finally, you know, as a Christian guy, you know you are not supposed to be having sex before marriage. I hope you know that. I hope you know that. Aha. Uh-huh. Not just Christian guy now, because you can't have sex with yourself. Christian men and women. Society tells you it is okay. It is never okay. It is not going to be okay. In fact, this month I've decided to dedicate maybe two Sundays or three services to talking about sex and how to avoid sexual temptation because it seems as if it is now becoming commonplace. People now do it without no sense of guilt, like you know, say the grace of God cover the grace of God does not cover you know deliberate sin. It doesn't. Some of them might not like it this morning, but I owe you the truth. It's not a church where you are afraid to hear the truth or the pastor is afraid to say it. Because the members didn't call him. Praise the Lord. I know there are places where the pastor will try to you know, say it in a democratic... There's nothing democratic about it. Sin is sin. Someone cannot slap you and say, slap me stylishly. Slapping is slapping. 
Robbery is robbery. You go to a bank now, you steal. That's a, you know, he just took it. He did not really mean to steal it. Really. When they take him to jail, you will know that they did not also take him to jail, really. They just wanted him to spend some nights there. So, peace and progress are two things you should look out for in a relationship for those of us that are single. And in marriage, you must fight for it. For those of us that are married, fight for... You see, and the foundation of progress is peace. The foundation of progress is peace. Fight for peace in your home. Fight for it. Fight for it. Fight, you see. An attack against your peace is an attack against your marriage. An attack, an attack against your peace is an attack on the marriage. So what are the foundational pillars? Number one is the pillar of vision. The pillar of vision. Now please listen to me. Because someone says, yes, I have vision. I said, man, I must have vision. <laughs> you know. Now when you now want to ask out a lady, you know, Valentine is coming now. You say, you know, I have a vision. <laughs> a vision to, <laughs> to blow. <laughs> Praise God. That's all I'm saying, you know. So you better listen. The Bible says in Amos 3 and verse 3, it says, can two work together except they are in agreement? In Genesis 13 verse 14 to 15, God asked Abraham, he said, what do you see? <laughs> what you see about marriage matters a lot, whether it will be successful or not. What you see. And everybody has a marital vision. Whether you are aware of it or not, there is something you think about marriage. There is something you expect. When you think about marriage, there is a picture, there is a feeling that comes with it. For instance, the vision of some people about marriage is that it is a necessary evil. That's the vision. That's the belief of some people. So they are not even going into marriage for... Some people just go into marriage as a woman to just have children. And because if I don't marry, you know, I just let me just have children. They don't care about the man. They don't care whether the marriage succeeds or not. As long that's why sometimes you see for the average Nigerian woman, when they get married, they focus shift from the man to the children. Now start referring to the children as my husband. Your children can never be your husband. Because they don't have a covenant with you. And for some of us that may be in the habit of saying that because you had it from your parents, the earlier you stop it, the better. That's why you see many parents, they are so attached to the children. The day the child comes years later and says, I want to marry. You see, they see another girl has never been worthy enough for their son. Because unconsciously, they have come to see that boy, that son, as their husband. So they see any other lady like, are you sure you can take care of my son? Are you sure you deserve him? What do you see about marriage? Because your vision determines your expectation. The reason some people don't expect much out of marriage is because of their vision. And you see, the pillar of vision also addresses the fact that you must both be seeing the same thing. Many times people ignore this and it is a foundational pillar. You want to get married to someone as a single that you have not found out what their vision of marriage is. For some people, they just know, they believe that marriage is, 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 for, is for better for us. And things can be bad today, get better tomorrow, you know, it's a roller coaster. If you're a member of this house, you should know that as a believer, the path of a just man 
It's as this what? Shining light that shines more and more onto the perfect day. I don't know who came up with those vows. It's as if on the day of the wedding, you are already, you are already calling forth negativity into your home. Will things always go the way you want it? No. But you must not by yourself already expect that sometimes oh, things can get worse. So things will be beat out. No, no, no. Why are you expecting that? You must be seeing the same thing. Your vision, there must be mutuality. You must both be seeing the same thing about marriage. Someone cannot be seen in this direction. Another one is seen in the opposite direction. It will eventually lead to frustration. Because what you see determines the direction in which you travel. So if they are seeing conflicting things, you will be traveling in different directions. And it will eventually lead to conflict. That's why in many homes there are misunderstandings. People can't explain why they are fighting. But they are just, get them. So when you eventually ask them, and you get to the root of it, really, they can't explain why that constant bickering and everything is there. But at the root of it, it's variance and vision. They are not saying the same thing. And the quality of your marriage cannot be greater than the quality of your vision for marriage. As a single vision should determine who you marry. And your vision will determine if your marriage will succeed or not for those of us that are married. And vision determines what you expect or demand from your partner. Your marital vision is largely influenced and determined by number one, your faith. Your faith. Some people, their faith and the way they worship already tells them that a woman a certain faith, they believe a woman is subservient to a man. Subservient. So a woman is meant to slave for the man. So that vision is already there. It's already there. Because of their faith, because of their belief. That a man and a woman are not equals. Let me tell you this. In case you have that mindset here as a man, deal with it. A man and a woman, before God, we are equal. Our roles in marriage is different. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The fact that God said you are the head does not mean you are you're supposed to be dominator. And that's why he explains to us what it means to be the head. It simply means you should, you know, go before her. Bring out the best in her. The head there is actually talking about leadership. Not a dictator. Many African homes, they don't have fathers. They don't even have husbands. They have a dictator. Your head that is on. Everybody switches off the TV. Carries a book and pretend they are reading what kind of a man is that? How about what I'm talking about? <laughs> you grew up in that kind of world. <laughs> Praise God. Your marital vision is also likely determined by your exposure. By your exposure. What were you exposed to growing up? Who were you exposed to? Those things formed your marital vision. If the word of God does not form your vision for marriage, these things are going to form them. Also, your marital vision is likely influenced and determined by your upbringing. Many of us grew up in homes where there was no peace. And something already tells you that all this marriage thing itself is not even necessary. It's not necessary. It's just something we just have to get out of the way. It's one of the equations of life. You know, you get a job, you start working, you make money. Marry, after marriage, continue. Because of the upbringing. We never saw a model. Your vision for marriage is also influenced by your association. What your friends, the people you call your friends, the closest people to you, what they see about marriage will eventually become what you are saying about marriage. So eventually become what you are saying. 
your association. The association. Also, the media. Media influences your vision. <laughs> media influences your vision. What you're watching, print media. What you're reading, are traditional social media. That one is even, hey, you know, it's a serious one for this generation. Social media. It influences your vision. It's influencing your vision. The man and woman must be seeing the same thing in marriage. There must be a mutual marital vision. Because your vision will determine your direction. The second pillar is the pillar of knowledge. The pillar of knowledge. These things don't sound deep. But they are very important. The pillar of knowledge. The pillar of knowledge. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. The Bible says my people are destroyed. Because they lack knowledge. My people are destroyed because they lack knowledge. Marriages are destroyed because people lack knowledge. Look at this passage of scripture. The full passage. He said my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He said because we have rejected knowledge. I will also reject. Now this is God speaking. God didn't say because you didn't fast I will reject you. He said because you reject knowledge. I also will reject you. He says and you will no longer be a priest to me. Seeing that you have forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. Did you see that? So you may be praying and fasting. God is saying there is still a place of knowledge. There is a place of knowledge. Some people get married without counseling. So we know what we are doing. Really. Time will prove you really did not know what you are doing. It's only a matter of time. Whatever you skip. You see, some of us, when we think of we don't even think that we need to go for knowledge. When was the last time as a couple that you sat down with another couple before you and you think that their marriage is working? I've had people say things like, you know, how do you even know a marriage that is working? What if they are pretending? Let me tell you this. If something is working, you can see it. If you are in your right mind, then your mind is working right. You will know this thing is working. Except you want to deceive yourself. When was the last time you sat down with a couple like that and you asked them questions? But he's doing, uh, we know what we are doing. Now, when we say ask them questions, I'm not talking about revealing your family issues to everybody. Trusted people. Trusted people. When was the last time you saw? When was the last time you bought a book? Or oh, even because we are married now, that's the end of what we need to know. No, it's the beginning. In this part of the world, people don't go for counseling, professional counseling. It's when they enter trouble, they will not be looking for counseling. <laughs> Most times, trouble has already started. And for counselors that don't have faith, that they are only doing it for the money, they will make sure the counseling session extends very well so that they can make more money. They make sure you don't find solution on time. So they will keep extending it. <laughs> you say, I, that's the, what I'm saying, it seems that we still need six sessions together. <laughs> because we didn't do it before you got married. Many of the crises people face in marriage should have been solved in dating. And when I say dating, I'm not using dating in the worldly way. Because dating in the worldly way is sleeping with many people. Eventually, when you're not ready for marriage, you now choose one. That's not dating, scriptural dating. Or maybe I should rather use courtship. The things you don't solve in courtship, it will show up in marriage and it will not go anywhere. <laughs> The Bible says, true knowledge shall the just be delivered. I think that's Proverbs 11 and verse 9. Or maybe 9, 11. True knowledge. Not true prayer. There are many praying believers who have marital crisis. True knowledge. 
through knowledge. Through knowledge shall they just be delivered. Not through fasting. Not through prayer. Uh, not through anointing. Not through going to the mountain. True knowledge. Many of the things some of us are praying for can actually be solved by a book. A seminar. A workshop. Online course. Is that what do they want to say there? <laughs> what do they want to say there? A lot. There is hardly any year. And not because I want to teach it. Because many of the things I know, I can't even have time to teach it. At least minimum every year, I buy and read six new books on marriage. Because I want my home to work. Because I know homes don't work by anointing. The anointing is for people. It does not work at home. I hope you know. In case you don't know, let me tell you. It's not that when person is doing somehow, maybe there's a person that will just lay and ah, receive and she just sleeps off. And I can continue doing my work. No! I've seen a lot of pastors with struggling homes. Just keep patching it, patching it, patching it, patching it. And they now come with an answer, you know, um, we, we, have, we, have, we have both decided that, you know, to fulfill our destiny. You didn't know you had destiny before. <laughs> Lying to God's people. A pillar of knowledge. See, it is important. You cannot be too busy to go for knowledge. If that marriage is important to you, before married and after you get married you must read on marriage you must learn about it you can't use um, native intelligence to do marriage the way to say man that is food though once you can give him food all is sorted really the ones whose own are broken they didn't eat food the pillar of knowledge the pillar of knowledge the reason why people don't pursue knowledge in marriage is pride and foolishness. It's basically those two. Everything is rooted in those two. Pride. Pride of I know what I'm doing. Nobody can tell me. No, 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 no. no. I already know what I'm doing. Foolishness. All this doggedness of conviction in spite of contradictory evidence. It is obvious they don't know what they are doing. But they are the only ones that believe they know what they are doing. The pillar of knowledge. You need knowledge of yourself. Some of those things we spoke about them at the table of strategic position. You need to want the positioning. You need to understand your personality. You yourself, some of the things you think is the demon attacking your marriage is simply ignorance of the personality of your spouse or your partner. See, she will just be looking. She will not see anything. She does not want good for me. I will tell her my vision. What I want to do, she will just be looking. She might be a phlegmatic or a melancholy that needs to process what you are saying. Say, talk now, talk! <laughs> As you talk, and some get frustrated that she talks too much. Talks to talking, 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 talking. Is that talking that got you attracted to her in the first place? A woman must talk. It's because Ada was not talking to Eve. That's why she ate the fruit. And all of us are still suffering for his now. Praise the Lord. All the things I tell guys when they want to get married, I say, I hope you are ready to talk and listen. I say, I'm not the talking type. You will learn how to listen in marriage. If you want to get married, I want to enjoy your home. There's no woman that does not talk. Married men are men am I right? No, it might not, she might not be talking to you because she does not trust you. But when she finds someone she trusts, she will talk. Every woman talks. That's the way God wired the average woman. No matter how quiet a woman is, she talks when she's in her element. Praise the Lord. You need an understanding. You need the knowledge of love language. It still amazes me that some people don't know these things. 
love language. You are expressing love the way you understand, the way you want to be loved. That does not mean that's the way your partner wants to be loved. For instance, Valentine is coming. <laughs> Some people you go and look for money and buy gifts, and their partner's love language is not gifts. You now be wondering she does not appreciate it, or he does not appreciate it. Have you found out what the primary love language is now? That does not. Somebody can say, "Ah, thank God, I don't need to buy anything. Buy something. <laughs> don't be irresponsible. <laughs> buy something." <laughs> Both male and female. We are celebrating Valentine together. I'm not the one celebrating. We are both. <laughs> Praise God. You know, learn about love language. These things are, you see, they are not rocket science. For some people, it's act of service. For some people, it's quality time. For people, it's physical touch. But be careful about physical touch if you are not married. Because physical touch leads to physical babies that are unplanned for. And they say it's physical touch. Touch me, touch me. Don't touch <laughs> I'll be touching it, touch, good touch. <laughs> Praise God. Learn about apology language. These things is no, it's no deep rema hidden somewhere. They are in books. Now there is a way some people understand the apology. For some people, you can't just say sorry. No, if you are saying sorry, it means nothing to them. For some people, until you make restitution, you have not apologized. The same way you have five love languages, there are five apologies. And there is a book with that title, the five apology language. Go and look for it and read it. You can't be married and not understand the apology language. You will keep having crisis. When I say, I think I've said this before. When I say that first lady and I, since we've been married, we've never had a misunderstanding that lasted for six hours. Let me tell you this. I'm even trying to be conservative. It has never lasted up to one hour. It's not by anointing. It's by knowledge. It's not by anointing. Somebody hear what I'm saying? It's by knowledge. Because once I notice I've done something she doesn't like, once she notices she has done something like, we know how to apologize to each other. Ah, sorry now. What else do you want me to say apart from sorry? If you find yourself saying that, it might be that the person you are relating with, the apology language is not just saying sorry. It's not just saying sorry. No, but you are married to somebody or you are engaged to someone whose principal love language is words of affirmation, but you never affirm them. She can see you affirming, ah, your dress is lovely. You left the house together. You didn't tell her she was looking good. So she's keeping it in her heart. Even if she's very spiritual and the only ghost, even if she's only ghost herself, she will notice it. And there are some men like that. They will be complimenting every woman in church. They never compliment their wife. Uncle, go and compliment the one at home. We don't need your compliments. Praise the Lord. Knowledge of your decision making style. These things are basic things you must know. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not sounding scriptural now, right? Uh, but these are the things that destroy many homes. You just be wondering, when my, when my husband wants to make decisions, he talks to all his friends. Because he's a consensus decision maker. He talks to many people before. So you ensure that he's the right people that are in his life. I noticed when, when one of get married, that first is more of a consensus decision maker. So all the people that I noticed was toxic, I strategically relocated them. I didn't tell her. But I knew that this one, this one, no, no, no. These are toxic people. So I make sure all of them, one by one, we're living. I'm not the only one in our life. And let me tell you this, you cannot be the only person in your partner's life. Be careful of people who want to have you all to themselves. It's a red flag. Because you cannot meet your partner's need. Alone. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Be careful. And if you are somebody like that, change your ways. It's not right. It simply means you have a problem. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
If he's talking to somebody else, it's a problem. If she's talking to somebody else, it's a problem. You are the problem. There are some women that can't stand the men in their lives talking to another woman on the phone. So, what, what are you saying? What are you saying? What does she want? Why is she calling you at this time? Uh, you like her? Be, ah. <laughs> what did we throw? What did we carry? <laughs> what did we carry? What did we throw? Kill her, we kill her. You like her, be? Uh, she, she always comes at this time. At this time, let the man have peace to receive phone call. Let him be able to receive that call in your presence, or else he will start going to the restroom to receive the call. And Guala started. Number three is the pillar of spirituality. You must be on the same page, on the same page spiritually. I hear what I'm saying. Somebody cannot believe in declaration of faith. Another person believes in um, burning incense. So I cannot believe in tithing. Another person believes all these pastors talking about tithing. They want to steal from you. You will have problems. You must be on the same page spiritually. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I cannot believe in fasting. Another person says, see, it's not fasting, fasting. Am I the one that killed Jesus? You have to believe the same thing. One of the reasons why you must be on the same page spiritually is so that you will not raise confused children. And look at many homes where the children don't want to have anything to do with God. The parents created that confusion. I was like, oh, you know, this guy is not really a Christian, but at least he loves me. It's not just about you. The lives of your children are also at stake. When you raise a child in an environment where you are serving different gods, who do you want the child to believe at the end of the day? Most times the children will just say, well, we are not even serving anything. You can't believe in kingdom service. And that person just believe, no, church is going to church. I say amen. They say prayer. I say amen. Shadura, Ishami, and I go. And I person, no, how can you be in church and you are not part of you, see, you must be on the same page. You must be on the same page. The pillar of spirituality, very important. Number four is the pillar of attraction. The pillar of attraction. Mm. For those of us that are still single, you must like what you see. All this idea of I don't like you, but God said I should marry you as a woman. Ja. Uh-huh. You know, I grew up in a denominational setting like that. For you, 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 you like somebody, you go and tell pastor. So pastor will call the lady and say, brother so and so likes you. You know, it's the pastor that will organize it. And I say, you know, <laughs> we first join you before you even meet each other. What nonsense is that? How do you know I like the person? No. The law of attraction, very important. And if you are married, you, you don't need any attraction. Work on your attraction. And they'll say, ah, that's true. I'm not really attracted. You are married. You work on the attraction. Let me tell you how to work on it. Investment. Affection follows investment. It's as simple as that. As a man, the reason why your wife is no longer attractive to you is because you have stopped investing in her. As simple as that. Let me tell you, there's no woman that is not beautiful. Just do the right thing. Huh? Don't let her be grinding pepper every week. <laughs> With Omolo. <laughs> There's blender now. Huh? Don't let her be doing laundry all the time. Buy washing machine. Praise the Lord. You don't like it? Hmm. <laughs> if you don't like it, don't forget about it. Remember it. <laughs> you can't forget about it. Huh? 
She likes wings. She, like, she wants bone straight. You can't afford the say for it. The people who are committing adultery, those are the things they do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why we want this man. What does he like in this small girl? Because his money is going there. As simple as that. You you are using iPhone. Your wife is using rubber band to tie her phone. All those things. You see, over time, you just realize that the affection is winning. Affection follows investment. That's what the Bible says. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. There your heart will be. As a man, you see something on the lady. Before saying, ah, you are looking good. Go and buy it for your wife. Are you hearing what I'm saying? For your eyes are looking to and fro. Hmm. Pillar of attraction, very important. And see, ladies, in this age of, you know, I saw something yesterday online. Was it day before yesterday? That now even men can buy six packs. You wear it as t-shirts underwear. That was just like. <laughs> so before you go to the altar, go to the swimming pool, <laughs> male and female, so that whatever is an additive <laughs> can be removed. <laughs> I was just like, what? Hey, the guy wore six parts. So he now wore a t-shirt. Everything. Ah, ah. I said, wow. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Praise God. He said, when they damn saw the gorilla and the baboon, he didn't say, wow, this is the flesh of my flesh and the bone of my bone. <laughs> it was when he saw Eve. It means options were presented. So as a man, you can't just say, oh, this one too is okay. Whatever loss looks okay to you, it's not okay. You must be able to say, this is it. And don't lie to yourself. Number five is the pillar of communication. Have you been blessed this morning? The pillar of communication. The pillar of communication. Please, for those of us that are singles, can you listen to me? A dating relationship and courtship should be 90% communication and 10% fun. You have a lifetime to have fun. If you're having 90% fun and 10% communication, I can tell you that. You will suffer for it. Because the things that you should have discovered, you will not discover it. You will just be eating shawarma, eating pizza, drinking ice cream all over the place. The questions you don't ask, it will show up in marriage. That's why you want to get married to someone you like, someone. Any question, there's no question that is off the table. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I should know as much as possible. There should be no surprise in marriage. And I say, I don't know how you will feel if I answer. It's better he feels how he wants to feel. I don't know if she will like it. Ah. <laughs> you want to marry someone you are still thinking of. So, how will you be communicating when you get married? How will you be communicating? Courtship should be 90%. I'm not saying you should not have fun. 90% communication, 10% fun. Ah, in marriage, you will not be having fun. Nobody will even stop you. Fun is important at the right time. If I decide now that all throughout this week, uh, till Valentine's Day, I want to go and stay in an hotel and just be at room service, it's the right thing to do. But I can't be doing that in courtship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In fact, when fun gets too much, sin we enter it. I'm going to look at relationships where sin has dominated it. Most times when they get into marriage, it shows. 
you choose. Is it that they are always fighting? Or they are going to financial crisis? Something always just happens. Number six is pillar of mentorship. Pillar of mentorship. I'll stop there this morning. Pillar of mentorship. Ruth was mentored by Naomi. That's why she was able to marry Boaz. Every couple should have a marriage mentor. That is not your family member. You do hear that clause? That is, your parents cannot be your marriage mentor. They can be a model. But that you, someone that you can talk to about everything in your marriage can be your parents. Because the day your husband messes up or does something and you tell your mom or you tell your dad, that day they will begin to see him in a different light. See that guy. Oh, I was thinking about it. That he wasn't man enough. And I told you, you said you believe in him. I told you. You have messed up the guy. They, there is no, even if he changes later, somewhere at the back of their mind, they will keep thinking about that. A pillar of mentorship. Somebody has gone ahead. See, we, see life can be easier. Somebody has made the mistake. You see, you can't be making the mistake that others have made. You shouldn't be. That's why others have made that mistake. Esther was mentored by Mordecai. That's why she was able to marry the king. Mordecai told her, do this, don't do this, say this at this time. Vashti was never mentored by anybody. That's why she lost her place. See, that's what the Bible tells us. That older women, I think it was Apostle Peter that wrote that. I can't remember exactly where now. He said, older women should mentor the younger women in the church. It's in the Bible. He said, teach them how to make their homes, how to relate with their husband. That's why, you see, if people understand what church for what, church is not a religious center. It's a family. So this idea of I this I just want to go hear the message. I don't want to relate with anybody. You are you are you are losing out. You are losing out. So let the older women, if media can help me look for it, let the older women. He says, let them teach the younger women. And see, the thing about mentorship, I've told us several times, food does not go after an hungry man. It's an hungry man that goes after food. Your mentor is food for you. In a sense, they don't need you. You are the one that needs their results. So you keep asking them questions. And see, mentorship is not sponsorship. Some people, when they think about mentor, ah, somebody that can be giving me money. No. If you know what your mentor knows, you will have the result your mentor has. But it's a pillar of a successful marriage. The pillar of mentorship. Have you been blessed this morning? Yes, Father, we thank you this morning for the seed of your word that has been sown in our hearts. We ask the grace that the grace will be a doer of these things. Let it be released alongside. These things may seem simple to us, but we know the power in the gospel comes through simplicity. Father, help us to put these things to work. And as we put them to work, let our results be evident for all to see. We give you the thanks and we give you the praise. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Alright, do we have any questions in few minutes? Alright. Okay, just one. Or do we still have more coming? Or do we have anybody that wants to ask with a mic? How do you handle having a love in the forest? What is this? How do you handle having a love interest with a best friend of the opposite gender? And what is your opinion on the idea of having closest friends of the opposite sex? How can you work on fear of commitment 
or marriage. Okay, so how do you handle having a love interest with a best friend of the opposite sex? Did I get that? Best friend of the opposite sex. And what is your opinion on the idea of having... Well, I don't think there is nothing wrong in having close friends that are of the opposite sex as long as you are disciplined enough to handle it. And some people, if you are a man, once you see a fine girl, you can't be close with a fine girl. You are, the next thing is you are already thinking of relationship. Or you are already thinking of sex. Then you should know yourself and avoid it. Whatever friendship you want to get in that opposite sex, look for it in same sex. Especially if you know you have a problem with sex. So how do you handle having a love interest with a best friend of the opposite sex? Is best friend of opposite sex. How do you handle it? Now, I need to understand, is this question coming from a woman or a man? That's what will give me an accurate understanding, you know. So how do you handle it? If you are a woman, you can't go and tell the person, no. Just be friends. That's what I would encourage. You see, the foundation of a successful relationship, one of the foundational pillars you know, that I can't get into today, is the foundation of friendship. So some of the things some of us call love, it is in friendship you will realize you don't really love that person. So this idea of saying someone, you get attracted immediately and say, I, I want us to be in a relationship, is foolishness, really. Because how do you know the person is not a witch or a wizard? It is in friendship you find out people's strength, people's weakness. Can I really live with this person? It's in friendship many of the things that you think right, are true. It is in friendship you find out they are not really true. And face value will often be false value. Right? So it's in the place of friendship you discover some of those things. So how can you work on fear of commitment or marriage? Expose yourself to the truth. Expose yourself to the right teachings. The reason why there is fear of commitment or fear of marriage is simply because you know, the person that wrote this question or people that have it is because they've been exposed to the wrong thing. You can't be afraid of marriage or afraid of commitment if you were exposed to the right marriages all your life. You can't be afraid of commitment, right? So if you have that fear, renew your mind with God's word. Expose yourself to people who have successful marriages. How does one deal with insecurity and obsession in marriage? Get a life. Why are you guys laughing? That's the answer. You see, the reason why you are obsessed in marriage or you are insecure is because you don't have something you are doing with your own life. Do you understand? You see, I'm too busy to be monitoring my wife. Who called you? What, what was it, that text message? Why, why are you talking to that person now? I'm too busy to have that nonsense time. I don't have that kind. And my wife is too busy to be monitoring. She will just die. What did that person say? What did that person say? You know, sometimes there's even something people assume that being a pastor, if they talk to me, first lady knows about it. Sometimes when people tell me, I said, go and talk to first lady. Because our life is too interesting for you to be the topic of discussion. And people just assume if they told me something, it's me you told, you didn't tell her. If you want her to know, go and tell her yourself. Because our life is too busy and it's too fulfilling for you. Now say, ah, let me even tell. We really have that time. Really. So sometimes when people tell us, I've told pastor, that pastor didn't tell me. Because you didn't tell me to tell her. So to deal with insecurity, get a life. Have a life of your own. So this idea of marriage being your life, it will not allow you to enjoy marriage. You see how marriage can be interesting is you have your life, you come back, you share what your life has been about. Everybody goes back to that. Not that all the time you are monitoring each other, being in each other's face. You will get tired. And you might die before your time. So look out, look out, look out. Let me see, let me see. Well, put the phone on speaker. Put the, let us hear what they are saying. How long do you want to do that? There are people who, that's how they live. Don't do that to yourself. Huh? So it's as simple as that. Get a life. Get a life. 
Have you been blessed this morning?